To the left, to the left, the fate of the universe is on the turn to the left. Welcome to the Whovian Review. I'm Michael. I'm Shelby. This is Colin. I'm Jace. And tonight we're diving into an episode we haven't even done yet. You mean driving into an episode? Oh, driving into an episode. Turn left. Okay, I just got to start by saying when I was a little kid, one of my like legit biggest fears was looking up at the night sky and watching stars go out. Like, so this episode, when that happened, that just, like, every time it just, like, tears at, you know, my core fears in a way that, like, other episodes don't. Although, when I envisioned it, it was always coming from, like, a singular point and spreading out as if one particular thing was out there, like, sucking up suns, like a giant black hole or something, but, uh... I guess it makes more sense scientifically because certain stars are much further out than than closer stars. So, the, so that's why it would be more random. So that no, they, but it wouldn't be random because if it, the problem is starting in a particular place, right? It's far away. Like it'll always start from that place, even if the other stars, like they would still be far away from that point as well as. But my point is, is that because there are stars that are. When you look at the night sky, you're looking at billions of stars, and some of those stars are closer to you, some are further away. Yeah, but they're in different directions. If something's go, like coming from, you know, infinite distance to my right, it's not going to be that. close to something infinite distance to my left. You that, know? that makes sense. I'm, I'm just taking it from like a center point. If it's coming from the center of where you're looking and coming at you, stars will go out... Yeah, uh, spread, spread out. Anyways. Well, not randomly. <laughs> it's a scientific fact that if you look Anyways. at the night sky, the stars are mo- there's Anyways. multiple stars at multiple. Distances. Well, you know, I was a kid and I didn't think it through that. Much. Yeah, well, for sure. <laughs> Any rate, moving on from the stars, this episode starts off with the Doctor and Donna in. What looks like this kind of China Chinese-inspired kind of town, but obviously on another planet because there's uh, worlds or there's there's planets and moons and everything else that it are. It might in the even sky. be on a moon. It could be on a moon. Could it be Earth too? No, because I, she no. said I'm from Earth. It's a planet far away. Yeah. Plus, Earth doesn't have those kinds of things in 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 view. You mean giant beetles? You, well, it doesn't have the uh, the planets or the moons surrounding it. You know what? Or probably giant beetles. Like At that. least not that giant. But there are some beetles that are, like, giant. Oh, no. There are some pretty Let's big move. beetles. <laughs> like, not here, okay. but on Actually, Earth. no, there are some here. I you actually... know what, Michael? Maybe you should stop talking. Okay, I'll it's stop. It's cicada time around these regions. Anyways, that might the make episode. I thought it was absolutely crazy when they were bringing back, like, all the incidents that's, that's happened throughout, not even her, like but Martha. the last two seasons. Yeah. yeah. 
They yeah. brought back all of that. There was the adipose, there was the hospital disappearing. You had basically everything, and you got to see the reality of what happens when, like, the doctor just wasn't there. Even talked about, like, Martha, even Sarah Jane, which was crazy. Yeah, Sarah Jane died. I mean, everybody died except for Donna Noble herself. So the interesting thing is Sarah Jane was, you know, right away. in the hospital when the doctor meets Martha. That yeah. would have gone very differently if he'd run into her. Definitely. No, all these things would have been very different. You know, it's it's a whole, like, ghost of futures past or whatever kind of experience. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is what happens when you don't turn left. Well, and another thing is that this is an alternative reality, obviously. So it makes sense that Rose is kind of showing up because she is technically stuck in an alternative reality. So the and fact she keeps showing up in the Doctor's reality on, like, the screen at exactly. midnight. Exactly. So, you know? And now she's part of this reality, and she's obviously on a mission. She's got to get a message to the Doctor because the stars are going out. And she does it through Donna in this alternative reality, which is quite crazy. Uh, the alternative reality is pretty horrific, too. They brought in the labor camps. Oh, man. And I loved how that guy oh was just, like, gosh. so uppity, like, don't worry, nothing matters. And then he's over here crying. Because like, it's like the up. Nazi yeah. war camps all over again. I mean, it's just... it's That it, was probably one of the hardest parts in anything Doctor Who I've ever had to watch. Because I had to relate back to, like, real life. Yeah. Well, it's Wilf, scary. The, uh, Bernard Cribbins, who plays Wilf, he, his reaction... So much emotion. ...was oh, yeah. dead on. Also, I Absolutely thought that the other guy, too... The, the other guy was oh, great. Oh, yes, yes. Oh, my yes. God. His, his he was holding like, up the community. It was clearly an awful situation. He's like, oh, welcome, everyone. We're family. Oh, yeah, and then his face when he looked at Wolf as he was leaving, and they just had that, like, silent conversation. That was so great. It just hurt. It really hurt to see that, because to think that, you know, humanity has come so far, and to think that he said it's happening again, like... That's terrifying. It's okay. That is terrifying. It's terrifying to think about how recent that really was, because I always think about it as being, like, so long ago. Yeah. Same thing with Not a lot really. of horrific things. It's yeah, within my own parents' lifetime. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. I, I think that um, also you've got to look at all the other disasters that occur. It's like all these things lead up to that moment where these concentration camps are back and, and being created. It's all a result of the devastation and destruction that goes on. These are things that are could actually happen to humanity in general. So, well, not the not to Titanics. this extreme, but no, 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 no. I'm not talking about the. <laughs> no, I, I don't think there's aliens coming. You know, for I'm not talking about aliens. Deposits. I'm talking about natural disasters or disasters of of human making, like that could destroy COVID us. or running out of gas. Yes, exactly. COVID <laughs> running running out of gas yeah. or toilet paper. Any of these real-world items could actually come up and, and become a problem. I mean, if you think about it, Afghanistan and, and the Gaza Strip, they're, they're at war right now. It's kind of happening there, in a sense. So, I mean, this is, this is a very realistic episode in the fact that it takes human drama and human trauma and exponentially exacerbates it by introducing all the aliens that the Doctor has taken care of and now because he's no longer there now they've basically taken over or they are defeated by humans but not in the same way and, and with disastrous results it was a pretty political episode like they even brought up Torchwood 
You know, like literally every important character who has ever been in Doctor Who was kind of, like destroyed. Although, although I do have to say, I mean, I know that you know that the characters are great or whatever, but like the whole thing with the Atmos, like I just felt like that didn't have a very big impact with the Doctor not being there. The same result occurred, and oh, people one th- well, one more person died than died in the other timeline. So. Yes, it's bad, it's tragic, because, you know, also those characters are likable and all, but at the same time, it's like, on the scale of everything else that occurs in this episode, it was just like, that one was like, kind of like, womp womp. Yeah, that one was handled a little better, but I I like that too, I like that it wasn't just completely um, a one-sided thing of when the Doctor is missing, everything goes wrong. I like seeing that, yeah, you take hits, but you're still there, and just how much the world changes without the doctrine sometimes humans swing for the fences and they make it but a lot of times without the doctor's influence it, it doesn't become a, a great situation like we know it to be in the normal timeline yeah and when that like fortune teller lady like basically fell off her chair and was like who are you who will you become meanwhile donna's over here basically saying i'm no one i don't matter well, she's thinking that in the world where everything is going wrong. Well, yeah, no, I get that. No, but, even, but she thinks that in the, yeah. the rest of the world, too. It's clear. Although, right. it was kind of nice when, you know, Rose tells her, you know, the doctor thinks you're brilliant, and she's like, yeah, whatever. And then when she comes back to reality, like, and the doctor says you're brilliant, it's like for the first time she's actually like, wait a second, does he really think that? Well, yeah, no. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know, exactly, but it's like, but that's what's, you know, like, it was like, yay! You finally turned those gears. Yeah, well, because, like, you know, she just, yeah, is just so insecure, and, like, it's just so great to see, because she's so awesome. Oh, yeah, Donna's acting throughout this. She is, like, super stubborn, super hard, like, super, like, you know? And to think she's a comedian over in England. She she only did, really, any, basically, strong comedy up until Doctor Who, and then she just put on all her acting chops, and it's like, oh my goodness, where did this person come from? She brought some comedy to an office um, (laughs) cameo, too, for some episodes. Yeah, she was in the office. The Uh, American version. On on her sketch show at one point, David Tennant comes up to be the the teacher for the class, and she's like, excuse me, are you the doctor? Oh my gosh. (laughs) I'll show it to you when you get home. But yeah, it's just one of those... I think this episode has so much going on in it because you're dealing with everything that has happened already, but you're also dealing with the whole Donna Rose and and what's going to happen next. And when I first saw this, I always felt that this episode, you could not predict what was going to happen. And nope. I was literally worried that that something was going to be dramatically different at the end of all this. Uh, was Bad Wolf not different enough? Well, that was um, that was the most incredible cliffhanger. I would have of, never of in a billion year guessed that. Not no, in a billion. I would. I know that when I first saw this, Two words. the excitement Pain when when the when, when the Bad Wolf started and and the music swells right there. That excitement, I felt it, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, she's coming back!" Or, "Oh my gosh, Bad Wolf." The Doctor knows that Rose is still out there. It's just like, and whoa, helping. yeah. I just remember thinking, "Why does that mean the end of the universe?" Well, the stars going out mean the end of the universe. Well, yeah, but she was like, "What does Bad Wolf mean?" <laughs> Well, I'm sure it was a secret message between the Doctor and Rose that, that obviously Bad Wolf had something to do with Rose's end, so it's the end of something. 
So I'm guessing the doctor could probably make some sort of judgment call. Obviously, it's not quite clear, and there's not a whole lot of dialogue to actually prove what he knows or what or what's going on. But I think just that that moment at the end, again, cliffhanger of the century. Whew, I don't know if there's a cliffhanger that's as intense or as emotional as that. See, I don't know. Let's find yeah. out because next episode is the start of a two-parter. I know. Way I was going to say, let's see if that one. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. We're already timey-wimey enough. Oh my God. Well, the season finale is always a, a two-parter. I like how they incorporated Unit into the story because they kind of brought back the whole concept of Unit, mm-hmm. which had been missing for quite a while uh, since Martha... I mean, they, they obviously had an unit with Martha and Donna in, with the Atmos stuff. Yeah. But, I mean, they they really kind of interwove and they, they, it's kind of interwoven back into the plot line. Um, and that's kind of hard to do unless you're on Earth, actually. Yeah. <laughs> it, ma- it makes sense, you know, um, how, you know, uh, other, other spaces would be taken up by where the Doctor's absence is. So you get things like Unit or Torchwood, yeah, or Rose, you know, coming more into the mix. And since you know the Doctor's always where the biggest action is, then Unit doesn't need to be there during that time. But then they do when he's not. Mm-hmm. Was there anything in this episode that you didn't like? All three of you. <laughs> Don't all speak at once. What we're thinking, though, I do actually want to want to point out one thing that I did like and actually noticed this time which is that in the last scene I thought the music was really good the music was amazing I think it really inspires trying to get one Michael is there anything that you didn't like about this episode I mean I guess the bugs the only thing it kind of was the it, it kind of looked like a robotic kind of a little cheesy insect a little bit cheesy yeah I mean the scariness of it was there because of the acting that Catherine Tate had of having it and all the even the the side actors and actresses that were looking at her back going oh my god you've got something there oh yeah like her one blonde friend when also the uh, the maid or the, the oh yeah at the um, hotel that they went to for Christmas that she was that was pretty intense and I like how they kind of put it made her speak Spanish as opposed to English because that makes it even scarier I think why I don't know it's because <laughs> well first of all it's taking you I mean first of all if you're not a Spanish speaker it brings it I don't know it brings out that element of oh my gosh there's it makes it a little bit more intense like what is she saying what is she describing exactly because you don't know what she's saying uh it's a bit more ominous a little more alien well she she was saying (laughs) you have something on your back choice of words i know it's terrible choice of words but i mean it's i think that's a good thing that they they, it was was but if it's a language that you don't know it's more mysterious you you know that someone's talking maybe in some sort of a tone but you don't know what's being said mm-hmm. I mean you must have known that she was saying you have something on your back that's like been a running theme through this whole season and yes. like hit hard but you don't know that 100% well you don't know what exactly she might be saying what's on your back at that point and that's why it's no, just well but okay but it she, made it more spook and it's also like because we've been watching a lot of horror movies lately so you know that's probably causing him to see these things as well I just thought it was, that was that was. I don't know. Intense. It's a little horrific too to have the giant beetle on your back. That I wonder if that's like supposed to symbolize something, like ethereal, and, or if it was just supposed to be like gross, since a lot of people like don't like insects. 
Probably that was the big thing, but this is a specific creature that actually obviously changed Donna's world around her. And the little guidance from a fortune teller. And it's amazing that one little decision going left or right can change basically everything for the entire universe. It can kill it. Yeah, so is the bug honing in on, like, the, the most potential to, like, change the universe? Like, is it, is it, is it finding, the, like, the right moment to split time? Is that what's happening here? Is this a, a fortune teller thing? Like, at one point, at the beginning, I was like, oh, is this, like, orchestrated? Were they planning for the Doctor and Donna to be here for them to... That's what I was thinking. Donna, ...pick Donna up with this? Oh, it oh I think they totally... Were I mean I think that that whole oh redheads you know you have red hair you you get your fortune for free I felt like that was just a very strong lore like she was clearly specifically targeting Donna for yeah a very specific reason she was like who are you basically yeah well, like I was thinking like um, they were looking for victims you know like yeah I'll take your money you know come in and have this experience or you know just come in anyway or just like because we're really, really going to take like, your you know, time, life force to some degree. Well, but she knew needle. a lot about her, like, seemingly when they started, too. Well, maybe she was an actual psychic who just had a side job of taking, you know, baths. I will <laughs> point... I, I should point out here that kind of like Midnight, which we just uh, rated, um, this insect slash creature that we have was not really well explained. But again, I don't know that it was necessary to explain it, given the plot was not really centered on it. it I, I don't caused, know. I thought they explained it well enough. It, it kind of, you know, in some ways is similar to a weeping angel. Yeah, it was fine. I mean, you could really have the fortune teller there, too, you know, without the insect. And you could have, you know, just a very quick blanket explanation, or you could leave it to be mysterious. I mean, they needed some... Unless those mirror things would have been stupid. She probably noticed something's wrong when everyone was pointing at her, noticing something weird. Like, that helped drive the story. Oh, okay, it's a really good creep factor, for sure. Yeah, especially when someone keeps seeing something. If I saw something on my back and I didn't know what it was, I would have hoped it was a bird, not a beetle. Jeez, what is back there? Call in a better bird. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I I just thought I saw something. Yeah, I mean, I I think that it was important for that factor because I thought, you know, the, the... beginning of the story was a little bit like once she you know ended in that alternate universe was a little dull and then it like ramped up which you know made sense for the story it kind of had to because that's how you know everything was normal and and regular for donna but it wasn't normal and regular for us which is where i think the audience would have started going a little crazy because they're like this isn't supposed to be right 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 so having the the you know the build up, the, the, the build up, and like having you know the you know that something is going on it has something to do with that thing on her back, and then Bad Wolf ends up being the climax, which is crazy. I would have never guessed that from like a Beetle episode. <laughs> Indeed, it was a little bit depressing. The episode. Oh, this is definitely one hard. of the most Why? depressing episodes of all Doctor Who because everything basically goes. Down the drain. And, you know, I have to say, though, uh, it was interesting because at the beginning of the episode when you have Donna and her mom having that that fight in the car, it's just like, I'm just feeling like, oh, this is such an uncomfortable moment. You know, I just, I wish it would go faster. And then at the end, you're like, take longer. Yeah, well, it's even more uncomfortable. It's like, you know, Donna coming in was like, I'm sorry, Mom, I've always been a failure. I should have tried uh, harder. Yeah. That's and, very realistic. And, and that part of reality, I was like, yeah. 
Yeah, you always have. But that's the thing is that it's a very realistic kind of point of view for those people that do suffer from those feelings. I mean, people all around us do. So it's just one of those things that I, I felt would be very relatable for a lot of people. Certainly, oh, for it sure, was but relatable. It was just tragic. Just such a darker yes. hue um, to this, you know, timeline and reality than the other one in, in Doctor Who. And it also makes me wonder. I mean, was that just you know Sylvia Donna's mom, you know, reacting to the experience she was in at the time that she was feeling that way, or like Donna's come back to the reality? Does her mom think she's a disappointment right now? I think I think it's a combination. But I think it's more that she's so drained from everything going on around her. I Does don't she think she's... It? Well, that's what I was wondering. Is, yeah. is that the only reason she admitted it or is that the only reason it was true? I'm sure she thinks it's true even now because really Donna hasn't really changed. If anything, she's on the same path that she was like not proud of her being in except... Now time is all weird because she's traveling with the doctor, still not doing what she yeah. wants her to do, which is get her own life together. Right. So she probably genuinely does feel like she's a disappointment. And so you can kind of see why Donna's so insecure. I mean, really, I guess we see a lot of that through this whole season. Indeed. And, you know, I think in some way it, it might be uh, hard for me to have a reference point for this claim, but I like how this episode really brings a lot of, uh, you know, dimension to... The fact that we often see the doctor always here in London, England, you know, more or yeah. less. And then you see throughout this episode all the things that happened over the course of just a couple of years, just randomly in London, England. So it gives the doctor yeah. a little bit more justification. For and also Doctor there. Who, too, yeah. for having these consistent episodes where it is centered upon London, England. <laughs> you gotta, you got to have the doctor in England. Uh, yeah, or else the, all these, the whole world goes down. I although, although I did like how, you know, the the whole thing in America where the adipose were rampant and in there, which I would, because I was thinking, like, during that episode, the adipose one of just, like, why would they start in England and not in America? I mean, there's an obvious it's a good way to go here. I mean, they're the OG Americans. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they do like their bacon, their meats, and their clotted cream. We just be fatter better, I guess. <laughs> Let's put it this way. There's no competition here. <laughs> <laughs> but at any rate, the, I just... I don't know. This, this episode had a lot of... It, it also makes you think. This this episode really makes you think. What a lot of if, what ifs? A lot of what ifs. Yes. Well, it's kind of like it also answers a lot of what ifs. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the whole thing. True, but it, it also brings up others, inspires others in the mind. Well, yeah, we've got Rose coming back. I mean, that's a huge thing for Doctor Who fans. Although they've been teasing it all season. They've been teasing it, but the thing is, is have they been she... bold enough to put Billy Piper's name in the intro? Oh, yeah, yeah that was that was kind of a spoiler uh, kind of thing. I think I wish they hadn't. Done that, but, but they I, had to. I mean, she yeah, didn't regret it. She does. She can take it at the end, like a, a full screen for five seconds. Yeah, that's true. She they could have like reintroduced her her name in the credits at the end. That would have made sense. They could have made and the really part before it. the opening credits longer. So she showed up before they hit the opening. Credits. There you go. Yeah, or at the sense. end of the episode, they could like. Do like a quick like TARDIS back in time, like up to the beginning <laughs> of the credits, and then you see the credits again with Billy Piper. Oh, in that would be great, especially for this episode. <laughs> so from now on, we can't watch the beginning credits. <laughs> At least I can't because I didn't know what to expect. 
Uh, yeah, the next end, uh, opening credits, you'll probably want to just close your eyes and listen. Okay, gotcha. Take your word for it. Listen. No questions. <laughs> listen. I swear to God. Great episode. <laughs> Anyways. Let's rate this episode. Colin, you're Ooh. on deck. Ratings, ratings. It sounds like I'm up. Up at bat and ready to swing. Ring-a-ding-ding. To the left, to the left. Everything you own in the box to the left. This was uh, a fantastic episode in a lot of dimensions and for a lot of reasons. It had great pacing. Um, I think we, we saw a lot of, you know, big heavy hitters here. We, we have uh, Rose coming back into the mix. We see Sarah Jane. And we, we get to revisit so many other stories that we've seen before. And it ties it all together in a beautiful way that makes you think. Um, you know, I, I think if you really do need to take some negatives to this episode, it's really always going to be an opportunities lost or just comparing it to other episodes that you can see having higher peaks for you personally. Um, and I do think that we hit on something true, that this was somewhat of a dark episode. Um, that doesn't mean that it's bad. It is a beautiful episode. It tells a wonderful story. But I do like to see you know some more uplifting episodes, too, um, to really take me to another emotional place and get me another dimension as well. This one really did t- tug on the heartstrings. Um, but, you know, overall for me, where I'm going for, for this, fantastic episode. Wonderful. Nine out of ten. Um, <laughs> I was going to say something. What was I going to say? Oh, very Scrooge-like. Even though, you know, Donna, you know, wasn't the character to be like, oh, I hate, well... I don't know, which is interesting. You know, Donna, well, not Donna. Rose was there kind of showing her, like, what life would have been without the doctor. Meanwhile, she's just there like, oh, I'm unimportant. None of this has anything to do with me. So I thought that was kind of an interesting cri- twist on, like, a Christmas tale, almost. Um, the scene where the family was being sent away, I think I'm just going to see right before I go to bed in my head because it was just so soul-crushing. Like, it, it, that terrifies me. It breaks my heart because especially with all the stuff we have going on in the world right now, especially with the pandemic and everything else going to hell. Um, unfortunately, that kind of situation seems like something that could easily happen again. And that's not something I'm proud of um, thinking about. But but it hasn't, and that's impressive. But it could if things go worse or bad. But it hasn't yet, and maybe that means we're getting better. Sorry, I shouldn't have interrupted She's you. She's so optimistic. Bless her soul. Um, so yeah, I clearly kind of fell in a hole there. Thank you, Shelby. Um, I'm just going to rate this a 10. I thought it was great. I thought it was interesting. I just have a problem with Billy Piper being spilled out in the beginning of it because it kind of just spoiled it right away, but you can't change that. All right. I recognize that this was a really phenomenal episode. However, it... Yeah, it was a little bit depressing, and I just... It's not one that I like going back to a whole bunch, because I kind of feel bad at the end of it. (laughs) They don't really, like, get to everything all being better exactly. I mean, they fix a lot of the stuff, but then it's like, there's still a crisis. We still haven't gotten to, like, everything's okay now moment. And it's just sort of, yeah, like that scene with the... With the family leaving to go to labor camp and Donna just like not getting it and then realizing it and just like, oh, that whole thing was so brutal. Um, and like I said, the stars going out thing, that one really tore, tore at my core fears. Um, 
but I am going to give this one an 8 out of 10 because just because it's yeah I just didn't like it as much as a lot of others I can understand I mean yeah this episode when I first saw it I, I agree it kind of felt like it was not even part of the season it was it was weird because it really it, obviously it's a Dr. Light episode there's not much of him in it um, and so it concentrates on Catherine Tate and Billy Piper. And at first I was a little worried because I'm like, okay, well, this can only go so far. And I, I prefer the doctor to be in Doctor Who. Um, but in this case, we had two phenomenal actresses who, who got it right. Um, Rose got a little bit kind of, um... I don't know. She seemed a little full on, full of herself sometimes in this episode. Um, so that was a little bit weird. But, I mean, I I guess that's kind of how Rose is anyway. Especially since she's so enamored with the Doctor and has been with him so much. I think she has a right to be. But I think she was trying to be Doctor Life. Yeah. And I... it just seemed a little out of place for me at first. But... Especially in this episode. But I don't know. It... I think that this episode definitely pulls on the heartstrings, and that's, and I think that's where the crux of this episode lies, is how do you feel when you're watching this episode? Usually you feel awful and depressed throughout most of it, but where I think that the majority of the episode you are put on this kind of roller coaster ride of emotions, you end with this kind of emotional excitement. And it's yes, there is still a problem to be had, but everything in this particular episode has been resolved, and there is a sense of hope at the end because the doctor's back, Don is with him, and he knows see, with seeing bad wolf everywhere that something big's going to happen, and that is where I guess a little bit of hope comes in. Um, I think that. Th- if I could just rate the last five minutes of this episode, it would get an 11 out of 10, uh, just for that. Overall, though, I think I'm going to give this a 9.5. I think it's not quite as perfect as the last episode, but it's pretty darn close. Because Can I say something? Yes, of course. So I stick by my rating being the highest rating at 10. Mm-hmm. And yes, I Absolutely. do recognize that this episode is really dark. But some of my favorite movies, for example, I've been telling you about that movie Hereditary that I want you to see. I mm-hmm. thought it was a great movie. Do I think I could bring myself to watch it again? No. Not at all. Would I? If I had to. But I still absolutely <laughs> love that movie. That's kind of how I feel about this. It was well made. It was tragic. But I needed to watch it. Yeah. You it know? was a lasting experience. That, it does. You know, changed you in a meaningful way. It did. And you still need to watch that. Does this give you a little bit better um, idea of David Tennant's era? No. Now that I'm watching these episodes, I'm understanding why fans love him so much. (laughs) I mean, but it's also not just the doctor for me. It's more just everything that's happening around him. Like, he wasn't really in this episode, but I rated it a 10. So I wouldn't say that David Tennant, for me, is like my most favorite doctor ever. It's just I think he has some of the most well-put stories because... His, the supporting characters are yeah. amazing. You have so many companions that be that are thrown back. A lot of thrown back episode. You have a huge emotional roller coasters, and that's 
super important. Like I like these low lows. It just makes the high seem so much better, which is why when we were so down for most of the episode, that last snap of hope, that's what made the episode. Yeah. yeah so and, great. It was those lows that made the high amazing. And David Tennant's acting when he realizes who when she says the words bad wolf, you see it on his face again. That's incredible yeah. acting right there. Yeah, I've yeah. seen David Tennant in a lot of other things too. David Tennant is a phenomenal actor, but I think you hit on something important too, Jace, because I think like so much around this time too is like fantastic writing too. There's and so many great Yeah, there's so many different things being brought together and I think it is being put together in, in a very, uh, um, you know, fantastic way. I should point out that the director for this episode was Graham Williams, or Graham Harper, sorry. And Graham Harper is known for being one of the best Doctor Who uh, directors because he directed the Cades of Androzani, Peter Davison's Swan Song. Uh-huh. He also directed Revelation of the Daleks, Colin Baker's Dalek story, which is pretty well, it was just phenomenal in direction. Um, and then because he was so good back then, he was actually the only director to be brought back to Doctor Who for the 10th Doctor era. So he was, this was one of his episodes that he did. And the next two episodes he will also be directing. So maybe we'll see if they're any good. <laughs> Time will tell. <laughs> Time will tell. any rate... Have a great night, everyone. Hope you enjoyed our podcast, and we'll see you next week. Bye. See ya. Bye.